Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. like it's been a month to me, but it's good to be back in the saddle, and it's good to be back with my favorite folks on this earth, the ones that tune in here and listen. I appreciate you guys being there in the chat room. Hope all of you are doing well. Hope you're doing well, Brother Pete. Hope you're all in good health, and may the Lord bless you in every way possible. It's an honor for me for you to be here, and I appreciate it very much. How you doing, Brother Dave? I'm doing very good, Pastor Don. Looking forward to, to tonight's message, teaching. Absolutely, brother. Folks, tonight we're going to go into the Gospel of John, one of the unique Gospels that says set apart from all the other Gospels, and I'll explain more of that in just a little bit. But before we get started with that, you've heard me in programs gone by over the last three years. I've recommended a book by the name of the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. And Brother Pete has been so kind. He's been um, doing some audio book kind of stuff for me. And he read the preface of the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. And I'm going to open the program after Brother Dave opens us in a word of prayer. And I want to let you all hear what this book is about and why it should be in every serious Bible student's library. But first of all, Brother Dave is going to open us in a word of prayer. And, Brother, don't forget to pray for Brother Sergio, from Brother Charlie and Sister Julie, and Brother Steve, please. Okay. Okay, Brother, if you would, open us in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this evening, and we give thanks for the freedom to be able to do this fellowship over the Internet and on the telephone and we pray that we would be able to take advantage of accessing the throne room of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening by, and have the Holy Spirit teach us the Word of God through the Scriptures, through your teacher, 
Don Spears, and that the Holy Spirit would bring to light in our minds to those in the chat and to those that will download in the future, that you will bring to their minds areas of the scriptures that they need to study that pertain particularly to them. I pray that they would be highlights go off, Lord, and floodlights in their minds of certain areas that everyone needs to learn. And Father, we give thanks for health and healing for everyone who's listening tonight. And that the Holy Spirit would visit with everyone tonight. And Father, I lift up to you Sergio and Charlie and Steve and Julie. Lord, you know their needs. You know the requirements that they have right now. uh, Needs for whether they be jobs or health or healing or direction in ministry, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray that they would get direction in ministry. That they would be taught and shown the areas to move towards in the Word of God that will prepare them for ministry. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bring individuals to them that need their ministry. And I pray that you would open their hearts and mind to be ready at the moment's notice to be able to minister to people. Father, and I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, like I said previously before Brother Dave was praying, we're going to listen to the preface of the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. Now, people, I want you to listen close to what this guy says. Like I said, I put this book on a pedestal for one reason, okay? Because of its honesty and because of its dealings with the anti-Nicene church fathers. In other words... The early church fathers, not after the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., but prior to that. We're talking about the early church fathers of Hippolytus, Clement of Alexandria, Polycarp, Ignatius, Irenaeus, okay? We're talking about right, we're talking about right after the resurrection and the ascension, like Polycarp, who was the understudy of the, of the apostle John. We're talking about the writings of these guys, okay, that knew what was coming down, and it didn't. There what hadn't been enough time for an infiltration or Satan to get a hold of people's minds and put a lot of heresy into a lot of the doctrine and stuff that was taught. But anyway, this is the preface, and it's being read by our dear brother in Australia who is across the plain, um, brother Pete, and. Uh, I'm going to play it. I forget how long it is. I think it's about 10 minutes long, but pay close attention to it, folks, and I think that you'll get the book and and make use of it in your own Christian life. And here it is. The Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs, a reference guide to more than 700 topics discussed by the early church fathers, headed by David W. Burkott. How to use this dictionary. A dictionary of early Christian beliefs allows the user to quickly ascertain what the early Christians believed on over 700 different theological, moral and historical topics and it functions as an index to the writings of the anti-Nicene writers specifically as allocated in the 10 volume work The Anti-Nicene Fathers. Why are the beliefs of these early Christian authors important? 
because early Christian testimony holds that many, such as Clement of Rome and Polycarp, personally knew the apostles of Jesus. They were approved by the apostles and appointed by the apostles to positions of church leadership. Modern students of church history must largely depend on these and other early Christian writers to inform on topics of major importance, such as who wrote the New Testament documents and how the Christian canon of scripture came into being. Furthermore, these early Christians' interpretation of the scriptures is among the most valuable commentary on scripture anywhere. To be sure, none of these writers claim divine inspiration, nor did they equate their own writings with scripture. They did, however, claim that they were faithfully passing along the faith that the apostles had delivered to the church. The Essence of Early Christianity Users of this dictionary should first grasp the ethos of early Christianity. That ethos can be summarised in two basic principles. Number one, the earliest Christians focused on living in the light of the Christian message and explaining that message to non-believers rather than on sharpening their theological prowess. And two, early Christian doctrine is less elaborate and less defined than later formulations. To say that the early Christians focused on living the gospel rather than on theological hair-splitting does not mean that individuals taught whatever they wanted. There were recognised boundaries that prevented such a liaison attitude. Nonetheless, to the early Christians, the heart of their faith consisted of an obedient love relationship with Christ, not the ability to articulate dogma. None of the testimony of the writers in this volume arose from some professional theologians. Rather, like the Apostle Paul, many lived in the trenches on the cutting edge of Christian life, and in fact a substantial number of these early Christian writers died as martyrs. The early church concentrated chiefly on the nature of Christian living because the essential core of Christian belief, i.e. the rule of faith, can be expressed quite briefly. The church believed that the Christian faith is a fairly simple one. Cyprian wrote, When the word of God our Lord Jesus Christ came unto all, he gathered like the learned and unlearned, he published the teachings of salvation to each sex and every age. He made a concise summary of his teachings so that the memory of the scholars might not be burdened with the heavenly learning. Instead, he could quickly learn what was necessary to a simple faith. Echoing those sentiments, Lactantius remarked, The secrets of the Most High God, who created all things, cannot be attained by our own abilities and perceptions. Otherwise, there would be no difference between God and man. If human thought could reach to, to the counsels and arrangements of that eternal majesty. Iranius criticised the heresies for going beyond the simple teachings of the faith, saying, They form opinions on what is beyond the limits of understanding. For this cause also, the apostle says, be not wise beyond what is fitting to be wise, but be wise prudently. Working through a sample topic. Suppose a reader wants to know 
what the early Christians believe about the fall of man. Under the entry, fall of man, a number of early Christian texts are cited. Note, though that selected scripture precedes the early Christian quotation, the intent, in, the intent is not to include every biblical passage concerning the fall of man. Rather, these are some of the key texts used by the early church. Knowing the scripture passages are quotations from early Christians listed in the approximately chronological order. The human race from Adam had fallen under the power of death and the guile of the serpent. Each one had committed personal transgressions by Justin Martyr, circa 160. The citation edifies the source of Justin Martyr. His name is followed by C160E. The parenthetical information indicates that Justin wrote around the year AD 160. The E verifies that he was an Eastern writer. This affords brief information about the writer, but more information is required to replace his statement in a proper perspective. A section entitled Who's Who in the Early Church following this introductory chapter furnishes the added information. Justin Martyr, circa 100 to 165 philosopher who converted to Christianity and became a tireless evangelist and apologist. Justin wrote more concerning Christianity than any other person prior to his time. He is classified herein as Eastern, since he was a native of Samaria, and, he, and his thought patterns were Eastern. However, he spent the last years of his life in Rome, where he was executed as a martyr in circa 165. The closing statement See Justin Martyr herein indicates that the main section contains an entry under Justin Martyr. That entry contains quotation from other early Christian concerning Justin Martyr. For a fuller understanding of Justin Martyr remarks concerning the topic, the fall of man, the quotation can be consulted in its full context in the Anti-Nicene Fathers. In fact, one of the primary purposes of this dictionary is to serve as an index to the Anti-Nicene Fathers. The citation ends with the reference 1243, which refers to volume 1, page 243 in the Anti-Nicene Fathers. The source of quotation is identified as Justin's Dialogue with Trifo, a Jew. The preface to Dialogue with Trifo, a Jew, explains that it is an apologetic work written to the Jews. This procedure can be followed with each citation within a given entry. A careful reader will discover that the dictionary translations does not exactly match that of the Anti-Nicene Fathers. That is because I rendered the citations into contemporary English. I endeavoured, however, not to alter the meaning. My basic procedure in making these ad adaptations were as follows. 1. I have replaced archaic and academic words with contemporary common words. 2. I have broken down long sentences into two or more smaller sentences. In doing so, I sometimes reuse certain nouns and verbs to make complete sentences. 3. When appropriate, I have rearranged sentences structures to follow a contemporary English pattern. 4. Where the 
antecedent of a pronoun lies outside the passage being quoted. I have supplied it. For example, in the curse of discussing the heretical teachings of Marcion, a writer may begin a sentence. He also teaches, in such an instant, I would render the quotation. Marcion also teaches. Some early Christian writers use the editorial we when speaking about themselves, when it is clear that the writer is speaking only for himself. I have rendered his plural pronouns in the singular. These steps should render these passages from the early Christians more accessible for the modern reader. No attempt, however, was made to retranslate the pre-Nicene writings from the available Latin and Greek texts. Even though I collected several quotations, these are obviously only representative, not comprehensive. At the end of the last quotation is a further directive. This includes the additional relevant materials appearing in Volume 2, pages 102 and 103. The full text has not been given since they are similar in nature and are from one the same authors as those already cited. For a more thorough study, look up those texts as, a, as well. A final instruction occurs at the end of this article. These additional subjects are related. See also Adam, atonement, death, Eve, evil, problem of flesh, free will and predestination, man, doctrine, salvation, tree of knowledge. These additional subjects are related concepts that should be examined in my full treatment of the topic Fall of Man. Thus to better grasp the early church's view of the fall of man, understanding early Christian teachings about death, the atonement, salvation and the nature of man becomes critical. I offer one caveat. Please remember that what the early Christian writers do not say can often be just as important as what they do say. In some cases, the early Christian writers knew nothing at all about some of the doctrines that certain Christians today regard as fundamental tenets of the faith. So do not be alarmed if a cross-reference does not lead to a fuller discussion. That should not happen very often, but when it does, it is not a mistake. Rather, in this manner I attempted to, in to index what the early Christians did not say. For example, at the end of the list, of quotations under Mary, you will find a cross-reference to woman clothes with the sun and moon. However, when you check the various quotations under woman clothes with sun and moon, you will find that all the writers understood this woman in Revelation to be the church, not Mary. In short, I have indexed what the early Christian writers did not say. Acquiring a Fundamental Understanding to accurately grasp what the early Christians said about a given topic, it becomes important to have a basic understanding of three concepts. One, Marcion and the Gnostics. Two, the early Christian concept of Logos. And three, the scriptures of the early church. Marcion and the Gnostics. Many early Christian writers were polemical, where polemical works directed against the heretic Marcion or against various Gnostics. Both Marcion and the Gnostics taught that the earth and everything in it, including people, 
were created by a god they called the Demiurge. They regarded the Demiurge not as God of the New Testament, rather the Demiurge was thought to be more of a demigod with certain imperfect traits. The Gnostics sometimes portrayed him as an unmerciful, unloving and vengeful God. On occasion they referred to him as the just God. On the Old Testament, of the Old Testament, in contrast with the good God of the New Testament. Marcion and the Gnostics also taught an exaggerated view of the fall of man. They believed that all physical creation, including the physical body, was inherently flawed and incapable of salvation. Accordingly, they denied the resurrection of the body, as well as the efficacy of baptism and communion. Many taught that the Son of God did not really become man and that he did not really die on the cross. In their teaching, the Son only appeared to do so. These Gnostics, including a group called Diocestus, from the Greek word dokio, seem, appear, are the persons whom John spoke of as the Antichrists, for they denied that Jesus had come in the flesh. And that is from Second John 7. Logos. It would be quite difficult to understand most of the early Christian writings without some appreciation of the meaning and significance of the Greek word Logos, particularly as a title of Christ, since our English translations usually translate Logos as Word, when this title is applied to the Son. English-speaking Christians usually fail to appreciate the term Logos and its significance. The Moffat version of the New Testament, however, often leaves Logos untranslated when it is used as a title for the Son. For example, it renders John 1, 1, The Logos existed in the very beginning. The Logos was with God. The Logos was divine. It translates Revelation 19, 13 as follows. He is clad in a robe, dipped in blood. His name is called the Logos of God. Moffat left the term Logos untranslated because in Greek that term means far more than simply word. It range, its range of meaning could include reason, rational principle and even mind. Early Christians used the term Logos extensively when speaking about the Son of God. When, Rodri, when John refers to the Son as being the Logos of God, the early Christians understood him to mean that the Son is the eternal rational principle of the Father, the Father's counsellor before all ages. The early Christian scriptures. To comprehend and appreciate what the early Christians have to say, through it, thorough knowledge and grasp of scripture are indispensable. That is because the early Christians grounded all their fundamental belief on scripture. Nonetheless, a first reading of early Christian quotations from scripture can be perplexing. Not infrequently, their citations do not read the same as do our modern Bibles. There are several reasons for this. First, when quoting from the Old Testament, the early Christians nearly always quoted from the Septuagint, i.e. the Greek Old Testament, including the Apocrypha, as did the Apostles. In contrast, modern Old Testament translations are usually based on the Masoretic Test, Secondly, we must remember that the early Christians had no concordances, 
topical Bibles, study aids, computer Bibles or even handy personal Bibles. As a result, the early Christians often had to quote scriptures from memory, which meant sometimes misquoted a verse or two. Furthermore, particularly in the case of Latin writers, citations seemed to have come from a version or text that differed slightly from later versions or editions. The Anti-Nicene Fathers as a Source for Early Christian Writings Heading Of course, the Anti-Nicene Fathers are not the only available translations of the pre-Nicene writings. Still, I choose the present edition of the Anti-Nicene Fathers as the basis for this work for several reasons. First, the translation in the Anti-Nicene Fathers are usually more literal than more recent translations. Secondly, other sets of translations contain only a small portion of the pre-Nicene writings. Finally, as a practical matter, the Anti-Nicene Fathers is the only set of pre-Nicene writings affordable to the average person. Theological Bias I have made every effort to make this volume as theologically neutral as I can. I have indexed and cross-referenced most topics under terms familiar to both Catholics and Protestants, although the dictionary does not support, does not purport to be exhaustive. I have attempted to include every significant quotation under each of the index topics. No essential quotation has been purposely, purposefully omitted. Scope of this work. The dictionary does not include all the works contained in the Anti-Nicene Fathers because a number of those works are either spurious, post-Nicene or Gnostic in origin. This volume covers only recognised pre-Nicene works whose authors are considered orthodox by the pre-Nicene Church. Therefore, I have included the following works. The, Spuri the Spurious Letters of Ignatius, Volume 1. The Martyrdom of Ignatius, which is post-Nicene, Volume 1. The Apocryphal and Gnostic Gospels, Volume 8. The Pseudo-Clementine Literature, Volume 8. The False Papal Decretals, Volume 8. The post-Nicene works incorrectly attributed to Hippolytus, such as Against Baron and Helix, Volume 5. The post-Nicene works incorrectly attributed to Gregory Thaumaturgus, Volume 6. The quotations from the 9th century Bishop Photius, Volume 6. The various liturgies of which are in a post-Nicene form, Volume 7, the various Syriac works, except for a scattered reference, Volume 8. Although these works are worth reading, nearly all of them are from the 4th or 5th centuries. After considerable deliberation, I have included the Apostolic Constitutions, Volume 7, in this index, even though strong arguments exist to exclude this work. By way of objection, these constitutions were not compiled until nearly the end of the 4th century, a half century or more after Nicaea. Furthermore, the documents betray a spurious facade, pretending to have been written directly by the apostles themselves. The editor of the apostle, Apollo, beg your pardon, the editor of the Apo apostolic constitutions even makes a ludicrous attempt to include the constitutions in the New Testament canon. 
Despite these objectionable elements, the Book of the Constitutions is pre-Nicene in origin and is thus included. I did include material in the Constitutions that is almost certainly post-Nicene in nature, or else I have included such passages in this digest with the caveat post-Nicene. The three mistakes to avoid. Perhaps the most common mistake would be to employ this resource as a database for proof texts. It would be tempting to sift through it, noting quotations that bolster our personal beliefs and discarding those that do not fit. Such an approach, however, inevitably misuses the early Christian writings. By selectively choosing quotations, we make it appear that the early Christian believed exactly as we do, which is sometimes not the case. In short, instead of learning from those close to the apostles in time and spirit, we simply use them for our own designs. Another common mistake is to read the early Christian writers, although these writers were making dogmatic theological pronouncements every time they spoke. Generally, the pre-Nicene Christians wrote more not attempting to define precise points of dogma for the rest of the church, most of their theological discussions come up with the context of either 1. Explaining the outsiders what Christians believed or 2. Contrasting the tenets of particular heretics with what the general body of Christians believe. They were not normally trying to convince other orthodox Christians what to believe. We also must be careful not to read technical or post-Nicene meaning into the theological terms used by the pre-Nicene Christians. Very rarely did orthodoxy, itself a 5th century term, in the early church turn on the issue of using this word instead of that word. The early Christians understood orthodoxy in terms of general concepts, not meticulous theological definitions. As Clement of Alexandria put it, those who are particular about words and devote their time to them missed the point of the whole picture. Although theology was important to the early church, it took a back seat to living the Christian life. There are 46 anti-Nicene fathers mentioned in this dictionary. I won't go through them all. But any of them, but any of them can be um, taken, and what they did, and when they died, and all that is written down. Thank you. Okay, that's um. Some of you may have thought that was nothing but boring, but I can assure you that it's not a it's not a book to be taken lightly. It, I, like I said, I've recommended it. You can do as thou wilt as far as that goes. And Brother Pete, I appreciate you taking the time to read that. It's a blessing, brother. You're a blessing to me, and I appreciate it very much. Anyway, now to the Gospel of John, Brother David. Yes. Okay, okay. folks, in the Gospel of John. John is the last gospel that we have in the canon. All right, yeah, the four, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to find out as we start off that it's entirely different than the rest. 
John wrote this gospel probably between 85 and 95 A.D. in the latter part of his life. Some people say he wrote it from Ephesus. Do I know that for sure? No, I do not. Not at all. You're going to see that John writes, and you'll see the word believe, believe, believe. is used over a hundred times in this gospel. That's not belief of an intellectual ascent. You, this is what I tried to explain to you people that's been with me a long time as we went through the Pauline epistles. That belief in Romans 10 that I have said so many times and called it an 18-inch drop, that's what John's trying to get across. It's an active belief. The word faith is not used in this gospel. But the active word belief is. And like I said, bear this in mind because it is your destiny, your destiny depends on what I'm saying right now. It's not an intellectual assent to a belief in a certain individual. It's a heart belief that brings forth action. It starts out in the head, but it goes to the heart and it works itself out. Like Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what you've got today, and yes, I'll make this judgment, you've got a bunch of people in a lot of buildings. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And that's as far as it goes. They have made an intellectual ascent to a belief that a historical person was actually here. But that's as far as it goes. How do I know that? Take a look around you. Or as the Lord said out of his own mouth, by their fruits you shall know them. Over a hundred times that word believe, like I said, occurs in this in this gospel more than any other any other epistle or any other gospel. Faith, like I said, does not, being redundant, does not appear here. Paul explains this belief in his epistles by making mention of faith. The just shall live by faith, quoting from Habakkuk. That's an active word. It is not, it is not, I repeat, intellectual assent or just a head belief. That faith, I've heard it described in an ABC form, like I've told you in programs gone by. Faith is action based upon belief sustained by confidence. ABC. Dr. Gene Scott came up with that definition, and I've, I've used it many times. Faith is action based upon belief sustained by confidence. That's what it is. That's the kind of belief that John's going to try to put forth. The times it appears, it'll be believing, and you'll, you'll see it used as believing in, believing unto, or believing on. That's the way that it will be used in this gospel. 
It's been said by many people that a child can wade through this gospel, yet an elephant can take a bath in it. Putting in simple terms, the babe in Christ can just munch on it right and left. And the seasoned Christian who's eating meat can find as much meat in this gospel as he can anywhere else, anywhere in the New Testament. That's the way it's written. You're going to find out that the the words are mostly um, monosyllabic. I think that's the way you pronounce that word, monosyllabic. In other words, there'll be one word, one syllable words are diasyllabic, two syllable words. Yet they'll be so profound in their meaning that you could spend hours meditating on it and running references on some of the verses. That's how simple the gospel is, yet that's how deep it is as well. John puts forth the logos, like you heard um, Brother Pete reading about, that, that that guy talks about in the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. You're going to find that in the very first verse of the gospel, when in the beginning was the Word, capital W. You're going to start seeing, Lord willing, you will, you will start understanding the reason Brother Don has put so much emphasis on big W, little W. Big W, little W. Why the finished canon and find the words of God are so important. Why they're even recognized like that. Like that guy, that guy said Moffat had a translation where he didn't even translate it. He used it, just would always put in the word logos. I think that's wrong, personally. Why? Because when Christ was here, he was the expression of the Father in the flesh. You've heard me say it before, the essence of God manifest in the flesh. It's the only way you can... Ex- you can partially explain the mystery of godliness. Paul calls it a great mystery, 1 Timothy 3.16. That along with the church, with the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is the two biggest mysteries, the two great mysteries in the New Testament. And trust me, <laughs> the bride is just as great a mystery as the mystery of godliness or God manifest in the flesh if it's studied properly to come to the conclusions that I've came to and I've taught you guys about the bride. Most people pass over it as just, oh, it's just a metaphor talking about the church. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's why it's a great mystery. Okay? And those that have ears to hear and eyes to see and spiritual understanding, if you spend time, the Lord will open your eyes to it. As he's opened up in years gone by, some of our other brethren that were laughed at and scorned at about spending so much time talking about the bride. But you've got to remember, that is the, that's the bride of your Savior. Don't forget that. Anyway, as we go through John, we're going to see the Trinity, the triunity of the Father brought forth. 
the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You've got some out there, and I'm sure there's some in the chat room, that will poo-poo the Trinity. It's not a Catholic doctrine. It's a Bible doctrine. The very creation dictates that you understand. It's a triune thing. Like it says in the book of Romans, the things that are created, we clearly see the Godhead. So what's he talking about there? Let me give you an example. Everything you know and exist has to do with time, space, and matter. You realize that? That's three things, time, space, and matter. Time, you got past, present, future. Space, you got length, breadth, and height. Matter is energy, motion, and phenomena. You can break it on down in threes. Threes here, threes there. Paul, the heavenlies are broken into three stages. First, second, and third heaven. Body, soul, and spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I think it's verse 18. There's all kind of things in nature that shows you, that, that declares the Godhead like it says in Romans 1. We're going to see that as we go through the Gospel of John, if, you, if you've got ears to hear and eyes to see. Yeah, like I said earlier, being redundant again, it's not Catholic doctrine, it's Bible doctrine. Okay? In the Old Testament, you have the law, the prophet, and the writings. In the New Testament, what do you have, Brother David? You've got the Gospels, and the epistles and the acts divided by three. There's three everywhere you look. Everywhere you look, you look at your body, you look at your cell, everything about your cells, everything. I can't get into all the real scientific stuff. I'm not talking about fake stuff. I'm talking about microscopic stuff that breaks down in threes. Like Paul said, the very creation declares the Godhead. And once you deter from that and go to the dichotomy like the uh, main body of Calvinists did, and like a lot of people try to poo-poo the soul and try to make it an Old Testament, nepish, talking about the flesh, which in some cases it does, but they didn't have sense enough to continue study on out the Word. It's body, soul, and spirit, just like it is in the New Testament. You consist of three parts. We're going to see all this in the book of John. We're going to take many avenues out of the gospel of John because it covers so many different subjects. We're, when we get to, I think it's John chapter 11. No, it's earlier than that. We're going to deal with the two witnesses of the book of Revelation. It's Revelation 11 where they occur, and we'll talk about them. I've got so many new people. I'll have to go over the teaching of the two witnesses of Revelation because they're going to come up in the Gospel of John. They're going to show up. Okay? There'll be many places we depart out of the Gospel of John. It's probably going to take us a while. We're going to cover it as thoroughly as this old country boy can, can cover it. When we get to certain points, 
that John, we're, we're, what John's doing, folks, John, everybody else is dead and gone. All the epistles have been written. John has full knowledge of should have. This is assumption. I'm, I realize that. But common sense would dictate if he did write this from Ephesus, he had all the Pauline epistles. He had what Paul, the mysteries that Paul got, and he could com- he could compilate them all together in this great gospel. So I want you to keep that in mind as we go through here. And when Brother Don starts off on what you think's a rabbit trail, remember what I just got through saying. John has a full knowledge of everything that's been written. All right? Okay. I guess that'll do for you. You got anything you want to add about the Gospel of John, Brother Brother Dane? No. No, I haven't. Okay. If you've got nothing to add to that, then we will go ahead and begin in John chapter 1, verse 1, Brother. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. That's far enough. Right there. Far enough. Right there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word, capital W, like Brother David says, that's the Logos. All right? In the beginning, that's not talking about in the beginning when the world, that's not talking about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, folks. That's talking about whenever the beginning of everything was. And guess what? The Word was there already. That's active. That Word there was is an act is it's a in other words it's a it's present when the beginning was this is a better is the way I'd put it in other words in the beginning was the word the word was there when the beginning started it was already there in eternity past all right that word was the expression this new the, the word express the thought that it has like you heard that guy say if you was listening a while ago was talking about this how this implies thought reason can Im, implies a bunch of things but what it actually what it actually means here where John's right is that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God in the beginning like I said. There it, no, you can start it whenever you want to, but it ain't got nothing to do with Genesis one one. It's got to do with eternity past, and even then, the Word was there. Jesus Christ was there. In the New Testament, His name is Jesus Christ. He was known in the Old Testament as the Angel of the Lord, or the Malach Adonai. you haven't studied that out and you've just bought the teaching that there was no such thing and, and you've bought into this polytheistic teaching that's running rampant on the internet now like you're a little G God you, you done fell you done fell you better get back in the boat I hope you got a life preserver on you and crawl back over the edge and get back in the boat and start rowing again okay Because the Trinity takes, the triunity takes care of in the beginning 
God created the heaven and earth let and said, let us. Three people. It only takes two people to be in us, but there's three. Okay? Without running off and trying to form some doctrine out of Job 38 and say, oh, three, there's four beginning. That's really us. We're Elohim. That's ridiculous. There's not enough. There, there's not no scripture. I say it again. There is that is taking scripture out and making it fit in where it doesn't belong. That's not what it says. Let us is talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why they don't like to talk about the Trinity and try to tell you it's a Catholic doctrine and try to keep it a dichotomy instead of a trichotomy, even though Paul plainly tells you that the, that the, that the creation itself teaches you the Godhead. I just gave you a few examples. There's hundreds, hundreds. The uniqueness between the big W and the little W. The expression, the thought, like I said, the thoughts, the little W, the words of God that God said that he's preserved forever. The big W came on the scene and expressed the thoughts of God. The, the very English word, the W-O-R-D, the word means that it takes a thought and transfers it either audibly or visibly. Audibly, the word, the spoken word. So Jesus Christ manifested and spoke forth the thoughts of the Father. In the old times, turn to Hebrews 1 real quick, Brother David, and read okay. what Donald Paul had to say about it in the first three verses. In Hebrews 1, if you think I'm making this up, and just coming out of right field, that's what Jesus Christ did. He was manifesting the thoughts of God. That's put in simple terms. In the Old Testament, the prophet spoke, and then in the New Testament, it's Jesus Christ. The big W word. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, capital S, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Okay, who, that's good That's good enough right there. Whom I, because I have to tell, uh, by whom, by also he made what, Brother David? The worlds. The worlds. Okay. Since we just got started, I'm not going to run that trail and show you folks something, but if you if it was with me when I taught at uh, Revelation chapter 22 and how I, when I finished up Ezekiel 40 through 48, I explained about the people that get partake of the tree of life and then they can live forever. And, that, and, I, and, and when we went through Revelation one time, the last part of the book of Revelation, I said then they're taken from this plane. I used to say planet. Okay, don't anymore. <laughs> and taken to a habitable, I used to say planet. No, they were taken to one of these worlds. You say, what does that mean in the, in the Greek? 
Well, if Brother David, boy, if you'll take my word for it, he's going to have to go to it. But it's talking about something outside of what's inside the firmament. The heliocentric model would tell you, and that's the premise by which your Strong's Concordance is, is penned, by the way, even though the, their definitions are from a heliocentric thought pattern. It says the universe. Well, two places it tells you that Jesus Christ made the worlds. I wonder what worlds he's talking about. Hmm? Well, I used to say that that couple that partook of the tree of life would be put on, the, I'm telling you, outside of this enclosure, there's other worlds. Me and Brother Kevin was talking about it this past Sunday. It doesn't take away, just change, change the, take the E.T., the plain E.T., Take the E.T. off of it in on a different plane. There's other worlds. One day it tells you in Isaiah he's going to roll that firmament back as a scroll and everything's going to be revealed. Then we'll know for sure. But here it does say here in Hebrews 11.3 and here in Hebrews 1.3 it tells you he made the worlds. And if you've got people that live forever in flesh and blood bodies that can still have children, you can and can live forever and have children. They have to repopulate somewhere, wouldn't they, Brother David? Yes, they would. And so, if he made the worlds, I would assume it's worlds just like this. And that's an assumption, but it says twice in the mouth of two witnesses. Like I said, Hebrews eleven three and here in one three that he made the worlds. Didn't say made the planets. Didn't say made souls. Just say made the worlds. I submit to you that that's where those folks are going in eternity. Those other worlds, because whatever he creates, he creates good. You learn that from the first few chapters in the first few in the first book of the Bible. When God creates something, it's good. Back to John, brother. Oh, well, we should read verse 3 here since we were talking about the oh, Trinity. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person in upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, Amen, brother. I'm glad you went ahead and read that. My mind yes. went off in a different place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it says there, and the express image that's, that's of right. his person. So you can't be the image of someone unless there's two things being talked about. Exactly correct, The person brother. and the image of that person. You got it. Ten four, brother. Ten four. Amen. Absolutely correct. Good catch, brother. I'm glad you caught that. Back to John now. Yes. And continuing in verse 1. And the Word, capital W, was with God. And the Word, capital W, was God. Ah, so here we go. And the Word not... See, a lot of people will stop where it says, there, there, there's the Logos, the Gnostics. They go crazy with these first few verses, folks. All right? I know none of you probably spend any time really getting in to the different strings of Gnosticism. I have. 
And they love to talk about this word being part of the pleroma like I taught you guys, okay? Like I mentioned to you when we went through that short little brief teaching on Gnosticism and how Jesus was different from the word and there was a Christ and a Jesus and a word in the pleroma. They were all separate entities. And like the guy just got through, like Brother Pete just got through reading to you about how the Gnostics did, talking about how Jesus Christ really didn't die. It really wasn't the word on the cross. But you listen, if 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 you're not into the to the um to live to living into living the Christian life and bearing fruits, forget about going and learning about that stuff, okay? Because knowledge puffeth up, folks, but charity edifieth. Okay? It's not what you know. It's what you do with what little you got. I got, I know some people that would rather talk about knowledge, talk about knowledge, talk about knowledge, and you won't, you won't hear a five-minute discussion on the person when work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all that ear-tickling stuff, folks. The simplicity of Christ is what's important, like that guy also mentioned in that book. The, simp- the About the, the early Christians talked, they lived it, okay? That's what was important. It wasn't that they were theologically dumb. It was they were bearing fruit with what they had. There was actually a seed there that was growing, okay? There was actually regeneration. You see, John... The purpose of the reason, I didn't even get to this. My fault, apologize. Turn to John 20 real quick, brother. Let's see. John tells you the purpose, see, of why he even writes the book. Verse 30 and 31. Okay. In John chapter 20. John 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Okay. That's the purpose. That John, that's the reason that John wrote it. Okay? That's the reason that he wrote it. And by the way, in this gospel... 21 chapters, he's selective. He's not, he, there's no parables per se in this in this gospel. In chapter 10, you've got one that calls it a parable, but it, all the other gospels have parables all through them. Not this one. John only chooses eight signs that you might believe. First is water to wine. Chooses eight signs. Where all the rest of them go into detail. There's no, they don't talk about the demons and the, no, uh-uh, no, 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 uh-uh. Because the purpose is regeneration. That's the purpose of John's writing. Okay? Oh, and by the way, talking about the threes again, at least you think, um, and I got it, I, I was talking to one of my other brothers. He, he, had, he has a hard time um, understanding the whosoever will deal and the elect, the differentiate the the difference between the elect and the whosoever will. It's even threes that way. You got the elect, 
and you got the folks that are say the whosoever wills, and then you got the lost. You got three right there. Paul said, "Give none effect, none offense to three different bunches: the Judeans, the nations or Gentiles, and to the church. Three classes there." I can break it on down. I can go on and on with threes here, threes there. That just like I, like Paul said, it's right in front of your face. To deny it is to deny what's staring you right in the face in life. If you spend enough time to pay any attention to it, okay. But anyway, the brother had a little trouble understanding the difference between the elect and the whosoever wills. There are three classes. It's been three classes since the get-go. Just like everything else is broke down in threes. Same thing with that. <laughs> you just have to take a step on out. I know a lot of the brethren have seen it, but a lot of the brethren won't take the step because it sounds so heretical from the bride. And the bunch that takes care of the bride and then the ones on the outside. It's right there, right there for you to read. All you got to do is just believe what you read and rightly divide the word of truth. Simple. But yet, very complicated. Complicated to a certain degree, but on the other hand, as simple as falling off a log. Once you get the concept in your mind, as Brother David said, has made, I think it was you that made this statement, once the concept is alive in your mind, you start seeing it everywhere you read, don't you, Brother? Yes, you do. Absolutely. And and that's the kicker. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. Once your heart is pliable and open to truth, and once it accepts it, then the Spirit turns that page, turns that page, enlightens this, enlightens that, and that's the way it works. Okay, back 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 to John 1, Brother. And it said, and the word was God. I was thinking that gives a whole new meaning to making personal translations of Scripture. Brother, we got, I've got a whole... <laughs> yeah, I hadn't got to that, but yes, it does, brother. It surely does. Folks, there is such a... I Even conservative Bible believers are getting further and further away from how precious this book is. And just randomly, what translation, you, what words, you, what, what have you changed? Folks, you can think it's a hobby horse all you want to. You can, you can think that Brother Don is just, well, that's what he was to all you want to, okay? I don't care. I mean, I care for your, for your spiritual condition. I care. But as far as, unless you've got the heart honest enough to open up and understand this, then I don't care. Because you're already on the wrong horse, riding the wrong way. Okay? Period. They're so close together. Why do you turn to turn to uh, Psalms 138, brother, and read okay. verse 2? I mean, come on, folks. When, what he's fixing to say here, should if you believed what he's fixing to say, it ought to slap some of you folks upside the head. I think it's 130, It's either 136 or 138, verse 2, brother. Uh, I will wish. Um, I will worship toward thy holy temple 
and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Is that a little W or a big W? Little. Thank you. Do you hear what he said, folks? He's magnified his little W. Read one, uh, Psalm 139, verse 89, too, brother, while I'm talking. You turn there. Verse 8 and 9? No. Psalms 139, verse 89, yes. while, I'm, 89. while I'm talking. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. While I'm talking. You can there. turn there. You get there that? Is. He magnified his little W words above his very name, all you Yahshuas and Yahwehers. If you ain't got his words and you messing with his words, I don't care. You can try to pronounce the tetragrammaton till you're blue in the face, till blood comes out your ears. Your forefathers wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. You're better, I guess, right? When he tells you plainly he's going to give you his name at a future date. The true name. Okay? Not something somebody has slid some vowels in to try to sound different than everybody else because they hate, quote-unquote, hate the Judeo-Christians. So they want to be different. Hey, I know human nature, folks. I've done crap like that myself, okay? I know how people are. Try to be different. Read, 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 read that verse, brother. 139, uh, verse 8. Verse 8? Mm, okay. 89. 89. Yeah. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, no, that's fine. There is no verse 89, <laughs> as there's only 24 verses. Psalms 139, and I said 89. Yes. There's only, well, the, uh, chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. That ought to okay. seal the deal, and then we will um, we'll go on and see the warning. Okay. Chapter 12, Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words and little silver. W's, little W's, little W's. <laughs> yes. Go ahead, brother. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified Seven times thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Forever. Of course he would preserve something forever that's magnified above his very name. And he tells you the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. They are life. You going to mess with them? Read Revelation 22, 18 through 20, brother. The final warning in the book is against messing with the book. Just happened, I guess. I guess it just fell into place there by chance. You're warned at the first part of the Bible in Deuteronomy. You're warned in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. And you're warned in the very last chapter of the book. Well, yeah, but what about them trying? Folks, it wasn't your it wasn't your business and your job to preserve his words. It was the father's job. You reckon he did a good job at it or not? According to some of you, he didn't. Well, you trusted your soul in his hands. Hey, remember, he magnifies his words above his very name. Remember that? 
and you claim you trust your soul to him, but he can't keep his words preserved for you, that you got them, even though he swore he would? Well, he either told the truth or he lied. Let's just, let's just, be, yeah, that's not being irreverent. That's just telling the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. All right? Either he kept him, even kept his word, or he didn't. You make the choice. Go ahead and shoot. You're faded. Go ahead, brother. Read the last two. Read Revelation 22, 18 through 20. Okay. Verse 18. And cried when they saw that, the smoke. That's Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. No, that's 18. I thought that's what you wanted. Brother, okay. it's probably my fault. Revelation okay. 22, 18 through 20. Okay. Revelations 22. Verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I know there's a lot of folks that better say, Wait a little longer. Let me confess my sin, Lord Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, a lot of folks like this. Should be a lot of folks like that. Back to John, mm-hmm. brother, and let's get a little bit further. Just a quick question. You Absolutely. know about uh, um, silver as silver in a furnace tried seven times. Man, I was wondering why they use um, the Lord used the word silver there, um, the metal silver instead of say gold, which is so often identified with God. Silver is the is the metal of redemption. Oh, is it? I yes. didn't know that. Yes, yes, brother. Mm. Silver okay. is the metal connected with redemption. The tabernacle shows you that. Okay. Just making a note there. Okay, that's interesting. Let's check that out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't believe a word I'm saying. You check it out, brother. Okay. No, no, I just for more interest, you know, more color, more verses, more knowledge. The same was in the beginning with God. Okay. The word was with God. Okay. Oh, yeah, but according to the JWs, he was a begotten God. All right. That's what they say. You know, he's like a little, he's just like a little G God. Like those gods in Corinthians, Paul. So there, though there be lords many and gods many, and there are a bunch of them. Little G's. But he's gonna in the very next verse he's gonna saw he's gonna slam that question he's gonna slam that answer that the JWs give he's gonna slap slap him right upside the head go ahead brother verse three all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made do, do y'all hear what he just said everything that was made was made by him and see here and therein lies a problem. He didn't. 
I say a problem, it's only a problem to non-Bible believers. All right? Folks, he only made three races to begin with. He made Caucasoid, Niggeroid, and Mongoloid. Any shade, color, squat monster, whatever you want to say comes. Blue gum, whatever comes from a mixture of those three. Do you understand that? I said it's threes. Did you happen to catch that? Remember, it's Shem, Ham, Japheth, you know. It's three sons. <laughs> it's threes. Wherever you look, it's three this, three that. Three this, three that. Or it'll be seven here. And they try, somebody out there try to tell you that's just Jewish numerology? Well, if your English Bible is Jewish numerology, there's somebody sure is smart. I could take you and show you where it's three and then it'll, it'll be three subjects, then four subjects, which means seven, and that's and the seventh verse will explain the the previous four and three all through the scriptures. I guess it's just by chance that the first man dies in Genesis chapter five, verse five, and there throughout the rest of the Bible, eighty-five percent of the fives that appear have to do with death, dying, or something bad. Check me out. Don't believe a word I'm saying. Adam dies in Genesis 5.5, 5, by the way. It's not the number of grace. The only time five appears with grace, it appears on the cross. And guess what? Guess who's dying? It's still got to do with death. That's the only time it has anything to do with grace. Don't you believe a word I'm saying? You go through that word of God and check me out and see if I'm telling you the truth. Okay? Thirteen. Say. So Tricks to dextophobia, huh? Well, the word of the King James translators and the ones that put chapters in verse, they must have tricks to dextophobia. Check out the 13s. 85% of them is going to be bad. 10% of them will be good and 5% will be neutral. Check it out. Don't believe a word I'm saying. I'm going to keep on saying that because I mean what I'm saying. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be a Berean. Be more noble than the Thessalonians. Because the Bereans searched the scriptures daily to see if the apostles were lying to them. <laughs> That's the Spears version right there. And, but no, they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things be so. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. So if I'm telling the stuff I'm telling you about these numbers... Are, are are not right, find out they're not right. Check it out. And if I'm telling you the truth, you better your ears better perk up and your eyes better perk up when you run across some of this stuff. God trying to tell you something, folks. He is the God of numbers, by the way. He's the God of everything. And it says that everything that was made was made by him originally. Not talking about the hybrids of Genesis six. Not talking about them. Not talking about what the fallen angels screwed up. They screwed up every species. Where everything, every man's mind was on evil continually. He's not talking about that. He's originally everything that was made 
He made it. Who made it? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's who made it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, brother. Yes, 16 and 17. I had it already there. For, <laughs> Amen, brother. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Absolutely. And in Hebrews 1, it says everything's held together by the word of his power. And when he quits holding it together, like he's going to do one of these days, tells you in the book of Revelation, everything's going to come apart. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, contrary to the false teachers out there. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Not no flim-flam doctrine with some kind of allegorical principle BS. No, no. Just like you don't put old garment into new, you don't put a new patch, or how does that thing go, Brother David? You don't sew an old patch yes. into a new garment, something like that. That's you right, because it'll shrink. That's right, and it, it, cause it's, it, it the new will be stronger than the old. You do away with the old and create a new. Same thing with the world. Same thing with heaven. They're corrupted. Entropy has taken place inside this enclosure called the firmament. Entropy, entropy, second law of thermodynamics. Things don't get better, they get worse. That's real science. That's not science falsely so-called, like it says. That's not what you're supposed to be aware of because entropy upholds the Word of God. Entropy, the Word of God upholds... I should have that in reverse. The Word of God backs up entropy because everything inside the firmament is in fallen condition. And it's got to be made anew. That's the reason fallen man has to be regenerated. I, I, I'll say it again. That's the reason a lost person has to be regenerated. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, read verse 1 and 2, brother. Ephesians 2, um, which verse did you say? Verse 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Got that, folks? Ye, they were in one condition, but they're not anymore something they were quickened they were or it's like it says in titus regenerated okay or as they say out there in quote unquote the christian world born again yes all right yes first peter chapter 1 verse 23 i didn't say born from above okay we'll get to that a little bit later 
and John 3. <laughs> Thought you had me there, didn't you, folks? No, not quite. But see, the ones that talk about John 3 won't tell you about the one in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, which is that incorruptible seed inside of you which cannot sin, First John chapter 2. I'm not going to go through that. Back to John, brother. We'll continue on. One more verse, and then we'll close it down for tonight. Okay, I just wanted to mention back there in Colossians 1, verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So for any folks out there who think that there are some spirits or there are some beings that are invisible, that exists in the heavens or in some far-off netherworld, that have more power than God. There is no other spirit being, whether visible or invisible, that has any power over him because he created all things. Amen. And what's the reason he created them, Brother David? I know you know For that. his pleasure. Bingo. That's right. For his own pleasure, folks. That's the reason that you're breathing. That is the very reason that you're breathing. That's why after regeneration, you should henceforth no more live unto yourself, but you should live unto the one that loved you and gave himself for you. That's the abundant life, by the way, that John's going to talk about, not having $100,000 in the bank and a Cadillac and a Lincoln and all your bills paid. Sorry, the dog won't hunt, according to Scripture. That's the abundant life, is service for him. Remember back in Luke, where he talked about, where he gave that parable about the servants, when, what, what they're supposed to do? He said they come in and say, oh, we've done a good day's work. Let's sit down and eat. And he says, no, no, I tell you, you feed the master first. And then at the end, you say, it was our, just our duty to do, to serve. That's a, that's paraphrased, by the way. But I'm sure some of you folks remember the parable. I think it's in Luke 10 or 11. Go check it out. That's so contrary to the quote-unquote Christian church today. That's so, quote, unquote, that's so contrary to 99% of the other stuff some of you folks listen to. It's pitiful. That's just the way it is. Continue on, brother. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay. In him was what, brother David? Life. Life. In him. That's where your life comes from. Because what are you before you receive Christ, before Christ, the Holy Spirit, takes control of you, before this God puts you into that body, you're lost. You're dead in trespasses and sin. Over and over again, Paul talks about it. For ye were dead in trespasses and sin. And you hath he quickened. There you go. Made alive by his life. That's right, that Who were dead in trespasses and sin. There we just go. read that, Ephesians 2.1. There you go. We just read it. 
And folks, you some some of you folks are getting fed such a bill of goods out there by some of these false teachers. Of course, when you can write your own Bible and make it say what you want it to say, I guess you can make it say anything, can't you, Brother David? Yes, you could if you had a mind to. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Let's continue on in John, brother. Got a question. Verse five. Oh, hold, hold on just a second. Go ahead, brother, brother Kevin. Okay. Matthew asks, how are we to survive when people who are devil try to destroy our livelihood? When the opportunity arises, uh, there's a time to kill and a time to refrain from killing, okay? I mean, if, if society breaks down and it's dog-eat-dog, dog, you're not expected. Now, some may be. In the book of Revelation, it talks about that they that live with a sword, I've been doing a whole lot of studying about that. A lot of people think that that's talking about that if you go out and, and uh, defend yourself or fight for what's right, you're going to be killed with a sword. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That's the, been the dilemma for millennia over what's a just war and an unjust war. Well, you can rest assured, folks, the last wars we've had were unjust wars. They were promulgated by the Catholic Church and the Jew. It were bankster wars. Okay? The the last just war, I don't care who disagrees with it, I could care less. Okay? It was a civil war. Then I don't even like to call it that. It was the war of northern aggression is what it was. Oh, he's just saying that because he's an old redneck southern rebel. Is that right? Well, you ain't done much studying if that's what you believe. Anyway, no, you're not supposed to lay down. If the, now, if it's your calling, if the, the Lord, if the, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you'll know what to do when that time comes. The Lord even promised if you're taken into custody, at a period of time, at a certain period of time in history, that you don't even have to worry about what you're going to say, but that the Spirit of God will speak, will know exactly what you're supposed to say, and if you allow the Spirit of God in you, which, by the way, is in every believer sealed to the day of redemption, then the Holy Spirit will be the one that speaks and not you. Isn't that what it says, Brother David? Yes, absolutely, and uh, we've all experienced that who have the Holy Spirit. Now, go read that verse to him, brother. Read that little passage to him. I think it's in Mark. I think there's two witnesses, but the one that's easiest to find is in Mark chapter, um, I think it's in Mark 13. Yeah, the ones that you talking about, the ones that take your livelihood and everything. What? And, and there's another caveat to that as well. Did your ancestors or the ones before you do what was right and pleasing in the sight of God to where they wouldn't reap what they sowed? See? See what I mean? You can't do wrong. Folks, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We come from a generation, and I'm just as guilty as the next person, of people that thought that, it, oh, give them everything they want. Give them, uh, to please, please little little Johnny and little Sally and let them have everything they want. The loss of character, 
the not the 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 decisions that that were made that were wrong decisions that were made out of a selfish motive. I can go on and on. Go ahead and read, Brother Dave. I uh, can't find it right off. Um, I'll go find it. I'll find it. I think it's, a, it's also in Luke chapter 21. I think it is. Take no thought what you should say in that day. For it be no more ye that speak but the Holy Ghost. I know it's in Mark 13 somewhere. You read the whole chapter? Uh, no. Uh, Mark. Okay. Uh, Luke. Chapter 21, starting in verse 12. Luke chapter 21, verse 12. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues. That's Jewish there, isn't it? Yes, Yes, it is. Go ahead. And into prisons being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist, and ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. Okay, that's good enough, brother. That's just one instance right there, but I understand what you're talking about, guest. I understand completely. And that's a decision, when it comes right down to it, that you're going to have to be made between you and your Savior. Fight or flight. You'll know if it's right. If the Holy Spirit dwells, you'll know if it's right. Also, there's a, a, a big difference between making a living by the sword, and I would compare that to somebody who's like in the mafia mm-hmm. or something like that who's constantly making a living by the sword, contract hits, uh, robbing, stealing, murdering people. And that's how they make their living. But then there is a big difference who's someone who saves or preserves their kith and kin sure. by defending themselves. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Absolutely not. Not at all. Matter that. That's the reason these guns hang all over the wall. That's the reason there's ammunition. I mean, more than I'm willing to tell my whole, I don't give a rip. The Lord will either take care of it or he won't. That's the reason I'm armed to the teeth. I don't expect to go down with a whimper. (laughs) Self-defense, absolutely. Absolutely. Against anybody, anybody in Romans 13, I don't give a rip who it is. 
I don't care if they come from the third precinct and the municipality. If they're wrong, they're wrong. But you have to be able to suffer the consequences of your actions. You have to be. There was a time when a man would stand for what was right, come hell or high water, folks. You want me just to boil it down to the simple facts? There was a time when man had character and thought about what was right was more important than his own life. I said, there was a time. It's not a fairy tale. There's still people that do it that consider what's right and just more important than their own life. The martyrs, every one of them. Over 33 million. Does their blood run in your veins? Or do you get aggravated because some Jew just took $50 they shouldn't have took? See? What do you do with the verse that Christ, when Christ said, if somebody takes so much from you, give them all this. What do you do with that? You can't get around the New Testament doctrine of Christian suffering and persecution. cannot be done. It can, Oh, it can be done, and it's done every day in practically every denomination in every church building in America. That's how far it's apostatized. Read Philippians one twenty nine, brother. Okay. Let's see what the Christian life's all about. Not according to Brother Don, but according to the Apostle Paul. Let's see what it's all about. And not and there's just this ain't the only verse, folks. I can just start quoting them, but I want Brother Dave to read this one because it's succinct and gets to the point. And then we will we will close for tonight. Philippians one twenty nine. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. You got that? Now, real quick, I said I was going to stop. I can't. Go to Second Timothy. Go to Second Timothy two, okay. and read the dissertation on the inheritance and suffering, brother. Just let him know that Paul wouldn't whistle in Dixie. If we be dead with him, we shall live with him. Yes. And folks, this is so good. Listen, folks, the the early church knew this. That's why I have. That's why ad nauseum pushed that dictionary of early Christian belief, so you can know. You can there. There's not. There, there has been no evolving. Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Just because you live in a wicked generation doesn't mean you have to be wicked. You're supposed to hold to the tenets of truth. Go ahead and read it, brother. Uh, Verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. You got that? If If you suffer, you'll reign with him. Paul just told you in Philippians that it's not only that you're not, not only are you supposed to believe on Christ, but you're also to suffer for his sake. Now Paul tells you there, if you suffer, you'll get an inheritance. What's the flip side of that, Brother David? 
If you don't suffer, there will will not be an inheritance. Thank you very much. It doesn't take a third grader to figure this stuff out, folks. Did I say run out and get yourself in trouble? Not at all. Not at all. Don't even think that I'm even implying that. If you're his, it will come. Trust me. Trust the word of God, okay? Not me. Trust the word of God. If you're his, it will come. It always has come. In every generation of of, of Christendom, it's come in some shape, fashion, or form. This is no exception. A second witness, Romans eight seventeen, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. What? Is... Whoa, 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 whoa. I know there's a comma there, brother. And what comes after that comma? Yes, if so be that we suffer with him. That we may may be also glorified together. See what a simple doctrine that is, folks, and you you ain't heard it nowhere. Nowhere else have you heard it. Unless you've strayed in to some Bible believing Christian somewhere in some home church somewhere. You ain't heard it. Because I ain't going to tell you that. Then I'm going to tell you the truth. Do I, do, are they lying on purpose? No. They wouldn't talk They wouldn't talk the truth to start with. And they read over that stuff like if they, when it met, I know how it's done. You read over it, you read, oh, this is for me, this is for me, this is for me. And when it's bad, that was for them. You ever heard people do that, Brother David? Oh, I've done it. <laughs> Hadn't we all? See, folks, that's the way they do it. Oh, this is for me. Praise God, claim that promise. This is for me. This is for me. And then they run across like what Brother David just read. That was for them. See, That's the way it's done, folks. They'll lie to you. Not on on purpose. They'll lie to you because they don't know no better. Because skin for skin, all a man hath will he give for his own life. No man's happy on the rack. You know what Paul wrote to his Thessalonican brethren and told them he was he was praising God that they were suffering. How would you like somebody wrote you a letter if your daddy or mama or child just died and told you they was praising God for your uh, loss? How would you like that? That wouldn't be one of the cards you would send someone to, at a funeral home or something. See what I'm saying? You you get the point, Brother Dave. You see what I'm saying? How yeah, absolutely. Folks, I'm telling you, we're so screwed up in this lead search see in church period and so far away from biblical Christianity is pathetic. And I know some of you are going to hear that statement, take a deep breath and think, well, at least it'll be over and I'll be in heaven. Is that right? <laughs> no, you don't you don't you, you think all the trouble ends here, don't you? Is that what you think? You don't want me to spend the next 30 minutes going through the scriptures to show you that that's not where all the trouble ends. <laughs> uh, any questions in the chat room? Any more, Brother Kevin? 
No. Well, there's one. I'm not sure I understand it. Matthew says, sorry, I missed it. So what should my mindset be? I have it all night, brothers. Do what? He said he's got it. Oh, amen. Yeah, you got it, brother. You don't need any more explanation. I can tell by the by just what you just got through saying, you understand. There's no there's nothing holy and spiritual and hidden in, in, in what we read. You got it. I know you got it, brother. I don't I don't even know why I just said what I said. I just I have a feeling. Don't you think that he understands, Brother David? Didn't that come across to you that way as well? I'm not sure what, exactly what he meant. I have all night, brothers, whether he, he means he got it or he's got all night to listen to more. Well, uh, I think Brother sure. Kevin just told me he said he got it. Okay. Yeah, I think you should probably put a comma between all and night. Mm, okay. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> well, well then, I, then maybe I'm wrong. He said he could listen to more. Turn to First Peter 4. Okay. And just start reading. First Peter 4. Okay, Brother Matthew, I want you to listen. Okay, First Peter chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitudes of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. End. Yeah, read five, chapter 5, verse 10, brother, and we'll okay. see if, if Matthew has heard enough. Verse 10? Yeah. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Okay. That's um. We can go on and on. I can. I can. I, we can just keep going on and on. I could have had him read a whole all of chapter five. You understand a little bit better now, brother. What scripture is that? He has First Peter I chapter. Let's write it down. Okay, yep. it's First Peter chapter four, the whole chapter. Let me just give. I'll just give you some of the scriptures. First is First Peter chapter four, the whole chapter. First Peter four and five. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 18. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. And the context of every Pauline epistle. The context, I said, of every Pauline epistle. Real quick, Brother David, for the kicker, turn to First Thessalonians chapter 1, and I think it's verse 14 through 17, somewhere in there. I think it's First Thessalonians, maybe Second Thessalonians. You turn to First Thessalonians, I'll turn to Second Thessalonians, okay? Okay, said, it must be second. Oh, wait, wait. Do what, Kevin? He said, thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome, brother. You you break in any time, any time, and ask any question your heart desires. It's a blessing. Go ahead, Brother David. It must be uh, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 only has verse 10. So Second Thessalonians okay. chapter That's 1. Okay, I got it. Verse 4 and 5. Oh, four and five. Oh, okay. yeah. Watch in this. one. Well, what? Watch yeah. In chapter one, verse four and five. Watch this right here, brother Matthew. 
knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. That's second, much, Thess- that's second Thessalonians. No, that's first. Oh, okay. Second. I'm sorry, brother. Okay, no second, problem. Second Thessalonians. Four and five. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. That's Timothy. That's not Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so I, I, when I, I, know where when I skipped over to, I went into Timothy instead of Thessalonians. <laughs> That's a good stuff anyway, but in Second Thessalonians, yep. verse 4. Yes, it is. So, verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions. Now, Paul, and, Paul is glorying in their bad fortune. <laughs> okay? Now, why is he doing this? Start, start again, brother, and read 4 and 5. Okay. So, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Bingo. See, all, all, the reason that the Lord has this this way, Brother Matthew, is for your edification and growth. It's, it's a perfecting process that's done in each one of his elect. And that perfecting process cannot take place, will not take place, in an abundance and in everything fat and happy and sassy. I don't care what anybody says. The Scripture says otherwise. And I'll go with what God said over what man says any day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations What's wrong also. with this guy? This guy's a nutcase, man. He's glorying in tribulation, in his tribulation and in ours. What's wrong with him? <laughs> Continue, brother. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, it's a perfecting process. It is a perfecting process. That's done in each believer. Each believer has different types of tribulation 
and suffering that goes on in their life. Some, it's all mental. Some go through anguish of spirit. Some, it's outward and physical. Therefore, trying to make judgment calls is not ours to make. But rest assured, the scriptures say we're going to get it in the neck if we're his. Either way, God's going to chasten us. Whether we did good, where we just walk in the straight and narrow, where we deter every now and then, makes no difference. We're going to get it in the neck one way or the other. We're going to get it in the neck one way or the other. If you're a child of God, you're going to get it in the neck. Aren't you, Brother David? Absolutely. Turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 12, read verse, start at verse 6. Let Brother Matthew hear what this one said. This will probably blow his mind, too. Verse 6. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, <clears throat> excuse me, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's if every he... son. That's every son. They don't nobody get out of Every means every in the Greek, folks, okay? Every. Go ahead, brother. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Ooh, yep, that's right. You don't get it, you're not his. Period. Not in my opinion, what the book says. I didn't write it. I wouldn't have wrote it this way. I'd have wrote it, kind of, you know, the lay of the sea in church period thinks that uh, everything... They, when they look at their kids, hey, for, I, listen, folks, I've been called on the carpet personally for th- for teaching the truth, okay, when it comes to this, this, this doctrine, all right? I've, I've been called out. It is, it's no big deal with me. Everybody should wish for their kids the best, right? Well, if the best is going to cause them to do wrong and be fat, sassy, and slovenly and not work for the Lord, you don't want quote-unquote best. You want the tribulation and the troubles because that worketh patience and hope, and it's a growing process. You see what I mean? Nobody nobody wants to see anybody suffer. I mean, that's sadistic, okay? But that's part of the plan. That's the Father's plan, and everything's done for his pleasure. It's even, it, the, the angels in heaven rejoice over the death of his saints. To us, that's a sad day, and we weep and mourn, not to the Lord. The Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But we do all we can, can all we can possibly do to live as long as we can, don't we? That's where our old fleshy body's built. It'll struggle to take that last breath, just to draw another breath. But not in the Father's eyes. See how contrary that is to the world? How contrary that is to what 99.999% 
of Christian, quote, and I even hate to use that word. It's getting worse and worse and worse with people like Joel Osteen and what's that fat pig out in Texas, John Hagee? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, John Hagee. And you loving heathen. But anyway, Brother Matthew, I hope that I hope you've learned something from this, brother, and it's good to have you. Appreciate you being there very much. He says, I get it. Amen, brother. Praise God. I figured you would. I could I, I could tell the way you talk and you got an open heart, brother. I, I'm not saying that to pump you up. It's just I have these, well, I'm going to sound all charismatic if I say anything else, Brother Davies, so shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. A little is good. <laughs> Just a little. Ah, yeah, just a little, just a little. Well, is there any more, anything All things else? in moderation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> anything else, brother Kevin? No, no more. Okay. Oh, Holy Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, for this book. We thank you that we can open it, and you speak to us through this book, Father, by the Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for that. We thank you for the Spirit of God that seals us to the day of redemption, knowing that that eternal Spirit seals us eternally is enough to shout about for the next 24 hours. Get a little sleep and get up and shout again, Father. Father, I pray that you'd go with each one that's in the chat room. Be with each one that downloads this program, Father. You know the problems in their life. Father, if some of them have doubts as to why, I pray that you would give them a revelation and show them the reason for the troubles, the persecutions, the tribulations that come up in their life. and Let them understand that Paul wasn't just blowing smoke when he said that he reckoned that the sufferings of this present time were not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In another place, your word, your word says in 2 Corinthians 4, For these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but to things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We praise your holy name for those scriptures, Lord, that we can, we can rest our souls on, and our lives on, our hearts on, and we can teach others so they might have hope in pain and suffering as well, Father. We love you. We want to see you soon, Lord Jesus. There's nothing that wouldn't, yeah. that no problem that there is that you wouldn't solve by you splitting those skies. We'd love to see you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that there be anyone there that does not know you as Lord and Savior that they would believe tonight with a effective action belief, trust by faith, your death, burial, and resurrection for their salvation, and from this moment forward, walk in the light of this book and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask all these things in the name of the name is above every name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number 3343972333. Again, 3343972333. The email address joy 
1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D. That's D as in Don, D1. Clio, Alabama, 36017. 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good job, Brother David. Appreciate it very much, brother. And say you're going to be a little late Sunday night? Yeah, after uh, 8 sometime. Okay, well, me and Brother Kevin will hold the fort down until you get here, okay? Okay. Appreciate you folks there in the chat room again. It's an honor having you there. I appreciate it. And come back and be with us this coming Sunday night, and we'll pick up with the fourth verse in John chapter 1. Good job, Brother Kevin, and I will talk to you Sunday morning. Love you guys very much. Keep me in your prayers. Be sure and pray for Brother Sergio and Brother Charlie and Sister Julie and Brother Steve. And Brother Leonard, keep him in your prayers as well. And pray that uh, he'll get his uh, package in the mail before too long on the history of music. Love you guys. Take care. God bless. See you Sunday night. Good night, all. Good night, brother. Precious memories How they linger How they ever flood my soul In the stillness Of the midnight
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.